RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines, Chief Executive Carrie Lam says it's unlikely there will be any relaxation of Hong Kong's strict border control measures before she steps down at the end of June. Foreign Minister Wang Yi has welcomed the United Nations Human Rights Chief to China, saying he hopes her trip will clarify misinformation. And a group of British politicians has described the UK government's handling of, of the withdrawal from Afghanistan last year as a catastrophic failure of intelligence, diplomacy and planning. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says it's unlikely there will be any relaxation of Hong Kong's strict border control measures before she steps down at the end of June. Mrs. Lam stressed that imported cases of COVID-19 now account for a significant share of infections here and that sub-variants of Omicron were being brought in. We have to be extremely careful uh, in sort of implementing the uh, restrictions on uh, border controls. I would say uh, at this point in time that it is uh, very unlikely that during my term there will be more relaxations on the border controls. In other words, uh, we will still have the hotel quarantine. We will still require vaccination uh, before a passenger could board a plane to Hong Kong. And uh, we will still impose the uh, test and hold, whether at the airport or at the hotel for a PCR test in order to keep Hong Kong safe. On the question of whether the vaccine pass should be dropped, Mrs. Lam noted that experts hold varying opinions but said the government believes there's still room to increase the vaccination rate. She said that as only just over half the population have so far received a booster shot, it will stay for the time being. The mainland has reported another 688 new COVID infections, 180 fewer than yesterday. The cases are mainly in Shanghai, which logged 480, 12 percent of which were symptomatic. An 85-year-old female patient who suffered from several chronic diseases has died, bringing the mainland's death toll to 5,224. Beijing reported 48 cases, 41 of which were symptomatic. Back Back home here, an expert in elderly care has urged the government to provide more support to help care homes upgrade their facilities. Lawmakers will tomorrow discuss proposed legislation that looks at raising the minimum area per resident, enhancing staffing levels, and tightening regulation on care home operators. Vera Tang, Deputy Director of the Asia-Pacific Institute of Aging, Aging Studies at Lingnan University, says some small private care homes may face closure job uh, to to uh, provide care for some at uh, the poor health elderly but at the same time because uh, we are facing um, the immigration issues that means some of the nurses may um, uh, move to live in another country and also because um, uh, this um, research uh, find that the average uh, uh, age of the care worker is um, uh, 50 years old. So for those uh, who have to have some uh, heavy labor work, they may um, uh, easily to get injury or something like that. So it's really difficult uh, to to uh, retain the, the worker. Foreign Minister Wang Yi has welcomed the United Nations Human Rights Chief to China, saying he hopes her trip will clarify misinformation. Michelle Bachelet's landmark trip to China is the first by the UN Human 
Sorry, by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights in 17 years. She is set to visit the cities of Urumqi and Kashgar in Xinjiang today and tomorrow. Mr. Wang, who met Ms. Bachelet yesterday, stressed Beijing has always safeguarded the rights of ethnic minorities. The UN High Commissioner's Office said last year it believes the mostly Muslim ethnic Uyghurs in Xinjiang have been unlawfully detained, mistreated and forced to work. Beijing denies the allegations. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is today hosting a summit of the so-called Quad, which also includes India, Australia and the United States. Australia's new center-left Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, flew up to Tokyo just hours before being sworn into office yesterday. Before departing from Canberra, he had this to say about his country's relationship with China. The relationship with China will remain a difficult one. I said that before the election, that has not changed. Uh, It is China that has changed, not Australia. And Australia should always uh, stand up for our values, and we will in a government that I lead. Premier Li Ka-cheng has congratulated Mr. Albanese on his election. Uh, According to the Xinhua News Agency, Mr. Li said Beijing is ready to work with Canberra to review the past, look into the future, and uphold the principle of mutual respect and benefit. He added that the sound and stable development of the two countries' relations is conducive to peace, stability, development, and prosperity in the Asia-Pacific region. A Russian diplomat has quit over his country's conflict with Ukraine. Boris Bondarev, a counselor at Russia's mission to the United Nations in Geneva, said he'd never been more ashamed of Russia as when it sent its troops across the border. In Moscow, the BBC's Steve Rosenberg has more. Mr. Bondarev described Russia's military offensive as not only a crime against the Ukrainian people, but also the people of Russia. Since President Putin launched in February what he calls his special military operation in Ukraine, there have been few public resignations from Russian state institutions. But Mr Bondarev explained that after 20 years of being a diplomat, he could no longer share in what he called this bloody, witless and absolutely needless ignominy. The United States Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has said 20 countries have stepped forward to supply additional military support to Ukraine. Mr. Austin spoke after hosting a virtual meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group. I'm especially grateful to Denmark, which announced today that it will provide a harpoon launcher and missiles to help Ukraine defend its coast. I'd also like to thank the Czech Republic for its substantial support including a recent donation of attack helicopters, tanks, and rocket systems. The UN's World Food Program has described Russia's blockade of Ukraine ports as a declaration of war on global food security. Issuing the warning at the World Economic Forum in Davos, the executive director of the WFP, David Beasley, said it could push millions of people worldwide into famine. If we don't open those ports, you're talking about a declaration of war on global food security. It will have extraordinary consequences. We are already facing the worst worst food crisis since World War II. And when you take 400 million people that are fed by the food that comes out of Ukraine and you shut that off, and then you add on top of that fertilizer problems, droughts, food costs, fuel costs, we're looking at a hailstorm on Earth. The African Development Bank has approved a 1.5 billion U.S. dollar fund to to support food production across the continent. 
A group of British politicians has described the government's handling of the withdrawal from Afghanistan last year as a catastrophic failure of intelligence, diplomacy and planning. In a report into the evacuation, the MP said British soldiers and their Afghan allies were utterly let down by deep failures of leadership. The chair of the UK's Foreign Affairs Committee, Tom Tugendhat, said the operation should never have been so last minute. What we could have done really from 18 months out when the warning started is begun the really serious preparations, knowing who we needed to evacuate, planning on how we would get them out and where we would take them. The biggest problem that I'm afraid we found was that we didn't manage to get the clarity out of the senior officials that we hoped for and that the British people should expect. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is facing renewed calls to resign after new pictures were published of him drinking at a gathering in Downing Street at a time when parties were not allowed because of the COVID pandemic. The pictures were obtained by ITV News, which says they're taken in November 2020. The opposition Labour Party said the images showed the Prime Minister lied to Parliament when he repeatedly insisted all COVID rules had been followed. Tangham Debonair is a senior Labour politician. I had a member of staff move on from my team during the pandemic. We, had, we said goodbye to him on Zoom. He was sitting on a park bench. It was during winter, and one of my colleagues took some presents, put them on the park bench, and then stepped two metres away. We were sticking to the rules. That's what counted as a work event during the COVID pandemic. It's absolutely outrageous to claim that you can just party with bottle after bottle after bottle, which are clearly visible in this photograph, and, and count that as a work event. A cabinet minister said Mr. Johnson wanted an official report on the parties to be published in full. He would then come to Parliament to discuss it with the MPs. The World Health Organization says a recent outbreak of monkeypox in non-endemic countries can be contained. A WHO expert on emerging diseases, Maria Van Kerkova, says the aim was to stop human-to-human transmission and stressed that it was a small outbreak. As surveillance expands, we expect that more cases will be seen. But we do need to put this into context because it's not COVID. So we have so far seen less than about 200 cases of confirmed and suspected cases so far. Another official with the WHO said it did not have any evidence that the disease had mutated and that it tended not to change. The disease is normally only found in Africa, but dozens of cases have been reported in North America and Europe. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 20,170. That's 288 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $59 billion. In currencies, one U.S. dollar will buy you 127.68 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and six cents, and the pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 86 cents. Now to sport, and the four-time Grand Slam tennis champion Naomi Osaka says she may skip Wimbledon after the event was stripped of its ranking points. The move by the ATP and WTA came in response to Wimbledon banning Russian and Belarusian players over Russia's attack on Ukraine. Osaka did not criticize the move, but said earning ranking points was a huge motivation. I would say, like, the decision is kind of affecting, like, my mentality going into grass. Like, I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to go there. I would love to go just to get some experience on the grass court, but, like, at the same time for me, it's kind of, like, I I don't want to say pointless, no pun intended, but, like, (laughs) like, I... 
I'm the type of player that gets motivated by like seeing my ranking go up. So I think the intention was really good, but the execution is kind of all over the place. If I play Wimbledon without points, it's more like an exhibition. I know this isn't true, right? But my brain just like feels that way. And whenever I think like something is like an exhibition, I just can't go at it 100%. I didn't even make my decision yet, but I'm leaning more towards not playing. And that's Naomi Osaka speaking after her first round loss at the French Open. She was beaten 7-5-6-4 by the American Amanda Anasimova. Men's favorite Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic both cruise into the second round with straight set wins. After beating Jordan Thompson for his 106th match win at Roland Garros, Nadal gave this reaction on playing through injury. That's the situation today. I got injured and that's it. What happened is past and here we are. We are in Roland Garros and I am here to try my best. And uh, how is my level of confidence? How the things would be if I didn't get injured? I don't know. We never know. So I am not a big fan of uh, think about the, the things that could happen. Football. The incoming Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag says he's not thinking about winning the English Premier League title just yet. United finished the season 35 points behind the winners, Manchester City. The former Ajax boss knows he has a massive challenge ahead, but believes he's made the right decision to take the job. I don't see it as a risk. This club has a great history, and now let's make a future. It's really exciting to do that. The people around eh, who are in the club, we bring some new people in, in the staff. We will analyze the squad, and we will go from day to day, work hard, 100% committed, and I'm sure we will get a success. The confidence is I have good feeling with the people around. I have a good feeling from the meetings. We have a plan, and now it's about to get the plan done. Uh, to get it into process, uh, to cooperate, to be consistent in our plan. When we have good people around with uh, the right connection of the right commitment, uh, we will achieve the success we want to. On the ice, the reigning Stanley Cup champions Tampa Bay Lightning are a step closer to retaining the trophy after completing a series sweep over the Florida Panthers with a 2-0 win in Tampa. They advance to Eastern Con- to the Eastern Conference Final and will face either the New York Rangers or the Carolina Hurricanes. In the later game, the Colorado Avalanche stunned the St. Louis Blues away from home with a 6-3 win that puts them 3-1 to ahead in that series. And taking a look at the weather, mainly cloudy with a few showers, isolated thunderstorms later, the maximum temperature will be around 27 degrees, moderate to fresh easterly winds. And the outlook, a few showers in the next few days, hot over the weekend. The temperature currently at the observatory is 25 degrees Celsius and the humidity a very muggy 92%. And that's the news, sports and weather from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. It's Tuesday, which of course means that there is some element of food and drink talk on the program. After 1.30, my guest on Soundbite is Shirley She, And um, she's an avid follower of Soundbite. And Shirley is a mom of three, has a doctorate degree and loves eating all sorts of food. She says that people are often surprised by how much she can eat, being quite a tiny person. And today she's going to share her special food memories on Soundbite. After 2pm, Andrew Dembini has got some interesting things on his menu as he joins us for the latest local and global food and drinks news. And after 2.30, as the summer is upon us, I look into some of the causes of foodborne illnesses, just so that you don't end up with a dodgy tummy this summer. Just a few little tips that might just help you if you're going to be out and about and you want to have a barbecue or a picnic or whatever. That's all coming up between now and 3. <laughs>
Before doing a COVID-19 rapid antigen test, read the user guide carefully and follow each step as instructed. First, prepare a clean surface and wash your hands. For a nasal swab, insert the swab into your nostrils and rub it against the walls of each nostril several times as instructed. Submerge the swab tip fully into the buffer solution and stir. Squeeze droplets of the solution slowly into the well of the test device afterwards. Wait for the time specified in the user guide and read the result. Results taken beyond the time limit will be invalid. When finished, dispose of all parts of the test kit properly. If only the C-line is present, the test result is negative. If both the C-line and the T-line are present, the test result is positive. In which case, you have to take a photo of the result and report it within 24 hours via the declaration system of the Department of Health. Do the test often by yourself. It helps you detect any infection and receive treatment as soon as possible to protect yourself and others around you. Do the test. Protect yourself and others. Anton Powers and many few featuring Liv Dawson and these are the days. The time is one twenty-seven. Good afternoon to you. 
If you have just tuned in, you're listening to The 123 Show. And let me just tell you what is on the programme today. It is Tuesday, which of course means that there is some element of food and drink on the show. After 1.30, my guest on Soundbite is Shirley Shee. And Shirley is a mum of three. She has a doctorate degree and loves eating all sorts of food. She says that people are often surprised about how much she can eat because she's quite a tiny person and you wouldn't think that she actually eats that much. But today she's going to share some of her very special food memories on Soundbite. That'll be in the next sort of five, six minutes or so. And then after 2pm, Andrew Dembina has got some interesting things on his menu as he joins us for the latest local and global food and drinks news. And then after 2.30, as the summer is upon us and the beaches are open and you can go out and have a barbecue and a picnic, it's also best to be careful too because I'm going to be looking at some of the top causes of foodborne illnesses. So if you come back and you're feeling a little bit of a dodgy tummy, then it might be something to do with the fact that, you know, you're out there with lots of food and this and that. So we're going to talk about some of those things that you should just be careful about when you're out and about like that. And talking about being out and about, let me just tell you the weather forecast for this afternoon and tonight mainly cloudy with a few showers isolated thunderstorms later um, winds are going to be moderate fresh easterly winds and the outlook a few showers in the next couple of days hot with sunny periods early next week the temperature at the moment is 25 degrees celsius with 92 percent humidity and now here's bruce hornsby and the way it is from 1987 Just the way it is. 
Bruce Hornsby and the Waders from 1987. Time is 1.33 and it is a Tuesday, which means that it is time now for Soundbite. And today my guest is Shirley She. She is a mum of three, as I said, and she has a doctorate degree as well. And she loves eating all sorts of food. Now, she did mention she's quite, you know, she's sitting in front of me at the moment. And I wouldn't think that she's kind of like eating too much. She is very slim. <laughs> she says that quite few people are quite surprised as to how much she can kind of get down. So uh, first of all, let me just welcome her on the programme because she's going to share her very special soundbite with us today. Um, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Sadia. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. It's lovely to have you on the program. Thank you so much for inviting and, me. And, uh, you know, before we talk a little bit about, you know, the soundbite and things like that, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're, you live in Hong Kong. You've been in Hong Kong for how many years? Oh, uh, I moved here in 2007, so 20, 15 years already. So mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, 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 very long. And uh, before that, I came from uh, New York City, and I was in New York City for 11 years. Wow. And before that, I was in Boston for five years. And before that, I was in mainland China, so I was born in Beijing. Oh, you were brought up in Beijing, right? Yeah, yeah. So you've kind of traveled uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen both the east side and west side. And while I was in the U.S., I traveled a lot um, with my brother before I got married and then with my husband afterwards. So, So that's why I tasted a lot of food of different from different countries mm-hmm. and also on your city is a war city so you can eat all sorts of food you know like one uh one of the ones that I miss the most in hong kong that uh is ethiopian food <laughs> i oh, don't know if you can oh, find ethiopian food in hong kong but yeah. in so, New so York, there what are in ethiopian food do you... um ethiopian food, i don't know but i think what i m- miss about ethiopian food the most is the way they eat it because you know um um, it's like kind of primitive, like they don't really have like, uh, you know, knives and forks, nice, and uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, tableware is from this big uh, pan, like reminds me of my childhood, you know, it's like I was born in the 70s when, you know, everybody was now very uh, rich and uh, all this stuff I use that you don't see them anymore in China, but somehow they went to Africa and people use those things to mm-hmm. to eat. So just they, kind of big bowls. Oh uh, no, big... they don't use bowl. It's a giant plate, like almost maybe 
half a meter in diameter and uh, flat but very big. It's like a tree, like mm-hmm. a round tree. Mm-hmm. And then they have all sorts of food, a uh, different kind, and then they lay them side by side, and then you eat them with your hands. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, yeah. So so Ooh, it's quite interesting. Good. Yeah, yeah. And the type of foods that's there is it kind oh, of mixture yeah. of meat and veg? Yes, exactly. Long time, and then some kind of like a paste you dip your, the bread in. So Ooh. so you can be a little bit like Indian food. Food, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds yeah. a bit like almost like you know sometimes you get food um, given to you in a, on a big banana leaf or uh-huh. something, and then you have lots of different types. <laughs> right, of things right, there. right, right, right. And you can pick it. And or like mix. a Korean food too, yes. right? Like before you start the entree, you have so many different appetizers that you can sample from. So yeah. it's all similar. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously you've spent a lot of time in the states. Um, you know, was there anything typical to the States, to the U.S. Uh, that you really enjoyed? Well, right now, because I'm a New Yorker, I live there and study and live there for a long time. Right now in Hong Kong, I miss the most is, is bagel. I mean, like, <laughs> like if they say, oh, you can buy bagel from Hong Kong, it's nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the bagel in New York. Yeah. It's big, around, it's very chewy. I, I think that's why maybe the Hong Kongese people don't like it, because it's very chewy. So so it's they lovely. like something soft. It's very and there's a nice, chewy. and there's almost like a nice, a, um, a kind of uh, a gloss on it, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Which yeah. gives it that And more. it's very fatty, you know, it's like literally like twice the size of the one you get here. Mm-hmm. And um, many, many different flavors, you know, mm. like uh, I live in uh, Upper East Side, and then right across the street, there's a little bagel shop. They have bagels freshly made, like daily basis on the mor- in the morning, and then maybe lovely toppings, twenty different, yeah, different you know, the onion cheeses, bagels, yeah. blueberry bagels, all kinds of weird flavors, and then the toppings. Oh my god, like you know, two fridge of different kind of toppings. You yeah. know, like salmon, just so many, I and know. then you can choose whatever you want to put on it, and then oh my god, it's heavenly. You know, like <laughs> I would get up early in the morning and go get it, and that will be my breakfast, and it's very cheap, affordable as well. So. Yeah, no, no. I do recall yeah. the bagels, and I, I've been in the states a number of ah, times. Ah, so you know what and, I'm And the talking bagels about. are lovely. Yeah, there was one particular I can't even remember what it was called. Um, Einstein, that's it. Oh, it was in Ohio, I think, and they had oh, Einstein okay. bagels. Oh, that's no what kidding. it was called. Oh, okay. And they used to go there, and as you said, like there's just a huge variety of them, from blueberries to cinnamon to raisin yeah, exactly. to chocolate. Yeah. And then you'd get these little containers, which were the kind exactly. of cream cheeses. Yes, to go yes, with yes. It. Cream cheese is the most classic. But I tell one. you. It's right. probably pretty high calories, <laughs> I mean, but obviously yeah. you can you can you can deal with that. So so obviously you know you enjoy your food and you've had a great selection of food as you've travelled and lived in different places. Now your soundbite today, what have you decided to talk about? What sort of really has special well, memories? Well, I want to share with everyone of uh, food that. I ate a lot when I was a child, but I think now it's probably like a dinosaur, completely extinct. I, I don't think, like, so first of all, I want to say that China is a big country and so many different provinces. And so the variety of food, it just mind blowing, you mm. know, like even though it's the same country, but if you go one different place, regions, you, absolutely. I, I mean, the flavor, the material they use, it has nothing to do with each other. It's so diverse. And so the food I eat, you know, I can tell, and, but maybe the next province people don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. And then this one I'm going to talk about. I ate when I was little, but now completely disappear from people's lives. Like, I think 
people born after the 90s, they don't know what I'm talking about、mm -hmm. because people don't make that anymore. So basically, it's、um, kind of like a Chinese bread made from corn flour.、Mm -hmm. uh, the Chinese name is called wo wo tou. <laughs> Okay. So, I'm just about an hour ago while I was eating breakfast on my way here. I was like, "Why is it called wowoto?" Because all this, all my life, I never thought about it. Why is、mm -hmm. it? Oh, that was thinking. Maybe this why? Because I show you the picture, right? So, yeah. If so, you want to see the picture, actually, if you go to my Facebook page, Sajid's Money on Radio Three RTHK, you can see the picture of these three kind of quite yellowy kind of little balls. Yeah, because、uh, they're corn, almost like triangular, aren't they?、That's, it's cone. It's yeah, a it's cone a cone. Shape, That's right. right. And uh, uh, the difference is, it's not solid cone. There's a little dent or like kind of hole underneath. Yeah. yeah. So the reason is because when you make it, so basically you make the dough with the corn flour. And you put a, a, a the dough on your left hand, and then you put your right thumb like right in the middle of、right. the dough, and like you、Turn、rotate、uh -huh. uh, your left hand. So and then the right hand keeps steady in the center. So after you're done with this kind of emotion, you have this cone shape with a kind of like a hole、mm -hmm. um, underneath.、Mm -hmm. So I think wo、uh, in Chinese is a slang for. A small, cozy, comfortable home. Oh,、uh, and tou, um, tou means head. But sometimes people also say shan tou means little hill.、Mm -hmm. So I think that's why exactly、oh, because the shape,、like、the cone yes, shape, it looks like, looks like a little mount, right? And the little den underneath is like the little cave inside the mountain、mm -hmm. can make a cozy、oh. home. That's why wotou. I mean, that's my personal interpretation. I don't know why, but、uh, that's what I thought. And.、Um, Uh, the reason that I only ate it when I was very little during the seventies, maybe early eighties, is because during that time、um, we didn't, you know,、um, the general, you know, the standard of living is kind of low, and、mm. um, we don't have like we have rice, but very、uh, very li little from the south. So basically, I live in the north. I was born in Beijing, and、mm -hmm. uh, the next province is Hebei. My my. My、uh, grandparents、uh, come from、uh, Hebei province, so it's all uh, uh, corn and、uh, wheat. There's no rice, so、mm -hmm. so our food is all noodles. It's all based on flour, not rice. And、uh, but only the people, better to do people, they can eat、um, the flour made from wheat. So、mm -hmm. for like you know poor people or commoner or people from the countryside, they mill the Corn into、mm -hmm. corn flour, flour, and then they make food from the corn flour.、Wow. Yeah, and、uh, I think maybe now people don't like it because it's very、uh, the texture is very rough. You know,、mm -hmm. it's not like a very a flour is very fine. This is、uh, you know because you can literally taste the oh the grains granules, yes, yes、uh, yeah. in the in the wotou and、uh, it yeah, is it is it quite a hard when you when you、it、have、depends. it it's quite hard or is when it when I was、soft? little when they make it I think. It, they didn't add a lot of other stuff, so it's kind of hard and very easy to break because it's not very pasty, so very easy to crumble. But、mm -hmm. I think later on, people maybe like now more than this, you want to make that wowato. Probably you add maybe butter or milk or some regular flour,、yes. make it more、uh, less granular, so the stickiness will be better. So, so yeah, and then、um, but. I don't think you can eat that anymore.、Yeah. I mean, unless you literally buy the corn flour and make it yourself at home, 
I don't think they serve that in the restaurant anymore. Mm. And uh, and how it, would you, when you were a child and you ate that, how would you generally eat that? Is that something that you would oh, be given as a snack or it would be an accompaniment? No, that would be food? like a, the main food source, you yeah, know. It's yeah, like okay. your bread in the yeah. uh, you sure. know in the West, you know. All your energy comes from it. And, and that's like the main thing you eat. And so like here in uh, Hong Kong, you eat rice with dishes. Mm -hmm. And when I was little, I eat wowatou with dishes but okay. we we didn't have a lot of dishes so most of uh that was commonly, the filling uh yeah that was the main thing so we just eat pickled vegetable whatever you know little things were fermented tofu something mm -hmm. heavily tasted mm -hmm. like a salty stuff to yeah. come, come with it oh, yeah gosh. to go with it so, so can you remember what age how old were you then that you were uh, having this i think from when i was little until maybe uh Primary school, mm -hmm. I think by the time I was reaching secondary school, I think it disappeared from the table. Mm -hmm. uh, and did you the, see then that the table changed in terms of the uh, types of things that were Yeah, there? I think so. Now, you know, uh, people are a lot, you know, richer than yes. used to. So, yes. you know, they can eat rice whenever they want and then and they can order food and they can, you're in Beijing, but you can eat Sichuan food or whatever. So, yeah, it just disappeared. and. Uh, and uh, when I was little, you know, the the regular world homemade is the size just way bigger than your fist. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's quite fist. a big. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Quite big. But now, if you go to a very specialized, like a very authentic uh, local Beijing a restaurant, and then they make the ones so small, like the size of an egg, mm -hmm. and they charge you maybe ten times the price. <laughs> used to be. So. Oh, well, it's become a bit of a novelty now, <laughs> yeah, hasn't yeah, it? That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So. so did you see, when when it was being made, um, Do your, does your memory go back to actually seeing it being made by um, your mom or something? Uh, no, I don't remember. That was way, way, way long mm. now. You mm. know, I, when it was maybe five, six or seven mm. years old. Mm. So Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, some of these things do, and yet we probably have a certain taste in our mind about what they tasted like and if you were to try it again it probably would be nothing because your palate has changed as as lot too probably yeah and also i think nowadays there's so so many different ingredients and people add more stuff like yeah. i said before maybe a little bit sugar to make it a bit sweeter or yeah. milk or whatever make it less granule uh what i like the most is i like the original flavor so i'm kind of like uh, you know like at home nowadays whenever um i eat something my my nanny always say oh do you want to add sugar or i was like no 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 i just want to plain yeah. yeah so so that's why i crave for that because when I was little, there's nothing else. It just yeah. plain the yeah. corn flour taste. That's so, interesting. But yeah. then you know that was simple. That was simple food. I suppose today there, you know, kids have such a choice too of the type of food available mm. that they can actually be fussy about it and say, no, I don't want to eat this. I want to eat this. But <laughs> you know, in our it. time, in our time as we were growing up, and I would say that you know, it wasn't sort of uh, not incredibly extravagant food uh, or anything right. like that. Yeah, you, you know? reminded me. Um, yeah, when I was little, whatever my parents cook, I, I had to eat it. I had no choice. Yeah. You know, nowadays my number three were like. I want to eat this tomorrow. You yeah. make this tomorrow, you know. They were you, like, see, <laughs> you see mums, I mean, you're a mum of three. You see parents, actually mothers, kind of making 
three different dishes because they know that okay, this is one yeah, that so and so will eat, but this yeah, one she exactly. won't touch that. So then I won't yeah. have to, so so that's I, a bit much. Really, I know, I know. When I was little, I kept telling my kids. Um, when I was little, I literally cry <laughs> like almost every other dinner because I hated noodles because that's all we oh, yeah, ate yeah. every day, and it was noodles day after day after day, and um, my parents always cooked. Uh, it was a very long string bean. Um, as the the vegetable to go with noodles, and I hate that particular vegetable. <laughs> but that's the most common one in Beijing yeah. when I was little. So and that was I, abundant, probably. I, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and very cheap. And I hate it so much, but I had no choice. I had to eat. And also, when I was little, for some reason, I was not really allergic, but I couldn't uh, eat meat. Like、mm -hmm. if I even just smell a whiff of. Oh, like cook meat、okay. from like a mile away,、oh. I feel like no, no, nauseous. And was it like, maybe because you weren't just used to it? It wasn't something that you ate、uh, too often. No, no. My mom's theory. I don't know if it's <laughs> true or just a myth. She said when I was a baby, I loved meat, like、mm -hmm. fatty meat, whatever. But there was this one time I ate a lot, and then my grandpa took me out for a walk, and it was very windy or、and、something due to the wind. And after that, I just couldn't. Eat or even smell meat. So,、yeah. so I was like, I wanted to vegetarian, but、uh, my parents forced me to eat meat because you know at that time meat was very scarce, and then、uh, you know that was the only way you can get protein. So, they for my for the sake of my health, they forced me say, okay, every dinner you had to eat two pieces of meat. I was literally eating, crying, and、oh. eat the meat with the tears in my eyes because I just you know it's so it's like swollen <laughs> poison.、Yeah. Oh. But I was brought. Up like that, so that's why、uh, I can eat anything, you know. Like even though I I do enjoy fancy food, you know, go、yeah. to a, you know three Michelin star restaurant, fancy food, but I have no problem eating, you know, three days leftover from fridge,、yeah. you know, because、yeah. I've just brought up like. Not be fussy about it,、yeah. you know. Eat whatever. And how、so. and how are your kids now? That are they generally okay with things that you make? They they will eat meat and veg and things like. Because I think there's so much. You know、um, how we bring up kids, or how we get them to taste different things, because quite a few kids just initially just say, "No, I don't like the look of that. I don't want to taste that."、Uh, yeah, I think my kids are somewhere be in between.、Mm -hmm. I mean, they are not the fussiest. Uh, pickiest, but、uh, they're also not most adventurous. But somewhere in between. But but they're reasonable. I mean, they do like to try、um, different varieties. I do think that generally yeah, kids here,、yeah. I have seen that you know when you go to these big banqueting halls and things、uh, like that, and you have families sitting there eating, I'm amazed sometimes just how young some of the kids are who are quite happily, you know, they have a bowl of rice in front of them, they're picking things and they're eating them, and I I have never seen so much of that. In in the UK, because I think that lots of children fuss an awful lot about stuff,、wow. and then also restaurants. What they tend to do is so many of them they always have a kids menu, right? So、oh, they always say, okay, you know, this is the this is the the menu for the adults.、Right. This is the menu for the children,、yeah. and so then they'll suddenly revert to things like you know chicken nuggets and French and, fries, yeah, and like French fries and pizza bites. Yeah, and, exactly. So then you give your children the same, you know, the fast foody rubbish that、yeah. they will want to eat all the time because it's high salt and high sugar and all sorts. But actually, the children should be eating. 
things that you are eating and also different types of vegetables. You have right, to make right. them like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. Mm. I think that's one beauty of Hong Kong is that it's such an international uh, city, mm. um, but it's so small, so it doesn't really produce a lot of things itself. So mm-hmm. it's imported everything from all over the world. I think mm-hmm. that's, uh, mm-hmm. and then because of this, so the food is the same, you know, you can have all kinds of food, uh, uh, American, Indian, uh, Japanese, you know, mm-hmm. and local Cantonese food. So, so yeah, so the children, you know, especially if you go to a buffet, they can try all kinds of different yeah. things. Yeah, so and it's, it's good, good to, to get them to open up their appetite. You, yeah. You've just mentioned some of the food in Hong Kong. So for you, you know, if you had a choice, obviously we can go for fine dining and things like that. What is your, uh, you've spent a reasonable amount of time now in Hong Kong. What is your most favorite sort of Hong Kong dish? If you were going to go out for a meal and I said, okay, uh, anywhere you like, what would you go for? Oh, <laughs> um, I think for local street food, uh, I, I really like the um, the wonton noodle, the very you know, the very tiny thing, uh, one to noodle uh-huh, soup. Uh, uh-huh. I think that's a very local, uh, like a signature Cantonese food. And uh, our chao he fen is the white, uh, white flat noodles, oh, stir yes. fry oh, with uh, beef. And yes. especially, you know, they sometimes, you know, they cook on the street and then the wok, the fire is very strong and you can smell the yeah. <laughs> smell from yeah. the no, long it's, time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's very yummy. But noodles. if you want to go something a little bit more fancier i think i love the steamed fish mm-hmm. i think they really know how you know there's nothing else just fish with ginger and chopped up scallion and then just steam it and then oh and if the fish is live and i think that's yeah, like the I, best way to there's no fish. there's no doubt about it that you know the fish and generally the seafood, seafood in yes. hong kong like you can go and get the lobsters and things right, like that right. but the the steamed fish is quite amazing and oh, and i think it's actually quite a hard thing for somebody um again like you know with my background from the uk if i you know i describe it sometimes to people i know and i say that oh you know we went in and we just chose the fish that we wanted oh, and, and, uh, and there's something about it which people think what well, it, it was it was still swimming was it <laughs> and uh, and you know and and I've been to you know people's homes where we were about to have dinner and then as soon as we walked in like there's still time before dinner then you know one of them has said okay I'm just going to pop out and go and get all the fish stuff all the seafood and things like that so you know the the whole concept of fresh oh, in Hong Kong yeah. is totally, you cannot, like, if you yeah, walk yeah. past a fish shop in Hong Kong, it never smells. You can never smell fish, mm, really. Mm. You cannot smell fish because it's so fresh, this fish, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go past a fish shop in the UK, oh, really? you, uh, oh, a I distance away, yeah, seriously, oh, a distance okay. away, and I haven't experienced this because I have lived there. Oh, okay. You know, a distance away, you, you can smell the fish. Oh, yeah. So, so some of it's I been mean, kept, but you can't get absolutely fresh fish, so. It's right, difficult. right, yeah, you just, yeah, because, me, me too, because I was born in Beijing, and my husband is from the south, so I'm a northerner, he's a southerner, and when I started living with him, I realized the difference between our taste and our standard for food. Mm-hmm. For me, like, the only time we literally ate fish like once a year you know and it, we have to get coupons from the government and oh, then you have four yeah. people you can get four pieces of fish you know like it's uh, okay. uh you know it's all according to the how many people you have in the family and it's frozen because and in the winter we uh, in the late fall we bought the chinese cabbage 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, anyway, so the food we have is all frozen, you know, yeah. all preserved. Yeah, so you were kind but, of used uh, to that. Hong Kong, everything has to be fresh. Even that's the chicken, you have to, you know, they want to eat live chicken. That's what's right. Listen, um, I, we've just been chatting for so long, sure. but, you know, I know I've got a track lined up for you, and it's Christopher, the Lady in Red, and you chose that. Shirley, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the program today for Soundbite. We're going to hit the news at two o'clock, but before that, here's Christopher and Lady in Red, and thank you, Shirley. Oh, thank you. Give it half a chance I have never seen that dream. 